Um, looks like we are going to start with uh, Vinny Lingam. Vinny, are you on the call? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Hi, great. All right, let me introduce. Folks, uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce you to Vinny Lingam, co-founder and CEO of Civic.com. Vinny is a serial entrepreneur with roots in South Africa. He also has a venture fund, a small um, seed fund, and we're going to talk to Vinny about all of those activities. Welcome, Vinny. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Rana. Great to be here. So you've had an interesting entrepreneurial journey. Tell us about GIFT. Well, um, GIFT, uh, GIFT is my third company, um, Civic being my fourth one, and I think uh, I've got a couple others in between there. Um, GIFT was a, a mobile gift card company which uh, digitized gift cards and allowed us to you know, not store all those gift cards in our wallets, but all, all of the digital wallets on your phone. Um, I sold the company to First Data about uh, three years ago, and uh, yeah, and, and you know, spent some time with First Data, went through the IPO with them, and then I left to start Civic, which is my new venture focusing on digital IDs. And what did you do with the first two ventures? What what were they? Uh, the first one was Kiss to Customers, which is a paid search marketing company. And, um, you yeah, know, it was back in the days where Google was launching and people didn't have the skills or tools to run AdWords campaign. And yeah. we, we, could, we could, quickly grew the business to quite a big um yeah, you know, uh, search marketing company. Uh, it's been merged a couple of times. It's now part of a billion-dollar corporate. I sold that in 2007, um, and then I started another company called Yolo, which is a, a website building application platform. Um, and we you know, we power ISPs around the world. I still have a stake in that business. It's still running in San Francisco and Cape Town, and, um, and yeah. And so, this is your entrepreneur. Like I said, I've got to go to a VC seed fund in, in South Africa as well, um, which does so what about Civic? What is Civic? So Civic is a digital ID platform, so we're trying to make it so that you don't have to use usernames and passwords anymore anywhere you go mm -hmm. uh, on the web, um, and hopefully one day taking care of digital IDs, passports, et cetera. Okay. And um, tell us a little bit about your uh, South African roots, and then we'll get to uh, Newtown Partners. Yeah, I was born in South Africa in 1979 during you know, the, the sort of peak era of apartheid. Mm -hmm. um, very grateful to Nelson Mandela for freeing the country in you know in '94, and I went to the first democratic election. So I've been very interested in the democratic process and how democracy spreads around the world, which is one of the reasons why I started Civic, I guess. Um, you know, ultimately, we want to focus on voting. Um, but yeah, South Africa was interesting growing up there, and uh, I left in 2008 um, to move to Silicon Valley to be closer to. And the, all your uh, startup activity has been in Silicon Valley or in South Africa? Both. My first, uh, my first, my, my, yeah, my first company was um, started in South Africa, and uh, mm -hmm. um, my second one started there, but it scaled in San Francisco. And then I, I'm also a shark on Shark Tank South Africa, so I make lots of investments in. In South Africa, entrepreneurs as well. Cool. All right. Tell us about Newtown Partners. What is the focus? How big is the fund? What size investments are you making? Yeah, it's a kind of a private evergreen fund. Um, I, I, we make investments anywhere from you know, $25,000 to half a million dollars. Um, and so, you know, it's just, uh, as and when we find great opportunities and great entrepreneurs to back um, that are building scalable tech businesses. Um, in, in South Africa or even in other parts of the world, we just backed a company called Wala recently, um, 
and then I was doing a token sale, token offering, uh, trying to digitize, uh, well, I'd say try and tokenize the banking system in Africa so you could use, you know, cryptographic tokens um, and, you know, make it cheaper for people to transact, um, send money to each other, et cetera. And uh, that's, you know, that's busy launching right now. How would you characterize the types of ventures that you like to focus on from Newtown, industry sector, B2B, B2C uh, stage? Yeah, we like very early stage. We don't mind high risk, so we, we, we go very early stage. But we, we like things that, look, it's always about the entrepreneurs. So first of all, we find entrepreneurs that we like. Um, and we, we like to, the sophisticated entrepreneurs, and it's very evident from us the way they pitch to us up front, whether or not they're, uh, well, how, how sophisticated they are, really. Um, and it's it's early stage. It's I prefer consumer, so... Mm-hmm. I like things which are changing. I like the idea that I mean, look, Africa is one of those places where there's a lot of um, corporates and oligarch you know, oligopolies in there, and I like the idea that um, the, the two entrepreneurs in the garage can disrupt the status quo by building better products that consumers choose to buy over mm-hmm. um, the entrenched incumbents. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. like a, a high-level thesis for what I, I like to do there. Okay, and. Um... So double-click down, and you started talking about geography, and you've said a few times that you're, you're focusing on South African companies, but you also do companies outside of South Africa. Can you elaborate a bit on your geographical uh, boundaries or footprints? Uh, yeah, I'm invested in a company in Germany called um, Olidu, um, which is uh, kind of a, a search engine for Airbnb-type services, so you could, you could effectively um, – See what's available in a country by looking at all the uh, all the sites that uh, have um, inventory available. It's like the way of searching for inventory uh, accommodation. Um, mm-hmm. I've got investments in like, an Israeli firm that's looking at um, uh, doing cancer research um, around. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cancer research using more more so AI and machine learning. Um, and mm-hmm. in South America, there's in smart contract solutions, which uh, runs Zeppelin. Um, basically, it's in the cryptography space. Um, we're investing in Butterf- uh, what's it, uh, what's it called? Uh, Flutterwave in um, Nigeria, uh, which is a mm-hmm. banking product as well, run by the founder of Rendilla. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so all, all over the world, just where I find okay. good deals. So um, I'm going to flip the question now and, and uh, ask you, what trends do you see in your deal flow? And in particular, what are the trends in Africa? What kinds of entrepreneurs are you seeing and what are they doing? What types of ideas are interesting in Africa? Well, I think the most interesting trend right now is definitely you know, crypto tokens and, uh, and uh, ICOs taking off. People in Africa have been, have been really starved for capital for many years. And now they can mm-hmm. use um, uh, you know, token sales and ICOs to raise capital from a worldwide audience, people who believe and are passionate about the, the problem that they're trying to solve. So it's really taking crowdfunding to a different level. And I think we're seeing more of this happen across the board. Um, and Africa in particular, I'm seeing a lot of um, African entrepreneurs rethinking their business models to become more token-based business models and raise capital mm-hmm. on the basis of that. Have you invested in any of these ICOs, ICO-based or token-based ventures? Well, 
you know, Wala, Wala would be the first one uh, in, in Africa. Actually, the second one. Um, I invested in another one called Augmentors. It's a gaming uh, uh, gaming startup. They have a really uh-huh. good token uh, called Databits, which they've, they've put out, um, uh-huh. which is basically an augmented reality game. Um, but it's, it's pretty fascinating. And uh, what is your um, estimate of the capital requirements of uh, token-based ventures like that? They tend to be quite – I've been talking to a few people who are looking at that, and they're one of the issues that they, uh, as early-stage investors, they are a bit nervous about is this can be very capital-intensive. How do you parse that capital intensivity of a token-based venture? I mean, look. I think it's uh, it's definitely a couple of million dollars, but it's a lot easier to raise, you know, two or three million dollars, um, and then spending rands, for example, because you get fourteen to one. So, three million dollars would be enough money to definitely get a prototype live to market for the business around it. And so, you get the value of people in Africa having lower lower costs of living, needing less capital, and it's easier to raise three million dollars. Easier, I would say, in a token based offering to a lot of people worldwide than it is related from one investor. So you're saying that the these token-based businesses are almost more interesting in Africa than in in the developed markets? I'd say I'd say it's it's there's because of the lack of capital in Africa, token-based yeah. uh, fundraising is going to be a bigger secular trend than, I mean, if you look at the U.S., for example, more money has been raised through ICOs and token sales this year than venture capital. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's kind of an alarming stat. Mm-hmm. My, my company, Civic, did a $33 million token sale in June. So, you know, yeah. we raised $33 million on, on the back of what we're planning to do with Civic, and it's been a very successful um, uh, you know, direction for the company. Okay. And what is the ecosystem in Africa? So you have a uh, you have Newtown Partners. Are there other early stage funds that you get to syndicate with, or how what is how is the ecosystem coming along there? Yeah, it's actually very good. I mean, uh, as an example, I invested in a company called Sweep South uh, about mm-hmm. three years ago, and uh, it was a female CEO uh, entrepreneur. And when I invested in there, no revenues, like literally nothing. Uh, they're now mm-hmm. employing about 4,000 4, women in Africa, relying on for the, in South Africa, relying on for income. It's basically maids mm-hmm. on demand, so, so like Uber for maids. And the business has grown ridiculously. And, and, and we only put the seed money in there. We, we kind of gave a bridge around in between. But um, the, uh, the capital came from other VCs. And once they'd seen the traction, they came in and they backed them mm-hmm. and, and they scaled the business a lot more. So there isn't... There is an ecosystem. I'd say that the, the real lack of funding is at the seed level and maybe in the higher risk opportunities that people don't, you know, VCs yeah. don't really want to take, et cetera. So then, you know, there's a gap for the ICOs and token sales. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, Aisha you know, and her company was a good example of where there is a huge gap in the market and where, where there's, you know, a room to play for guys who want to take a lot of risk on people who traditionally aren't being backed by the the formal sector, so women, black, female entrepreneurs in Africa aren't getting the support that they need, and so I think we, you know, we we take a we take a pretty um, aggressive approach at, at at finding these people who are gems and and you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, I, I would say the non-traditional stereotypical entrepreneur. You know, in, in Africa, one of the problems in South Africa is 
you have a lot of, um, you know, disenfranchised white male entrepreneurs. And so when the government implemented um, black economic uh, empowerment, which is a policy from the 90s, um, it sidelined a lot of people um, from getting jobs in the formal sector. And these would be, you know, you know the young white guys and white males mm -hmm. who graduated. And But it had an unintended consequence. They started becoming entrepreneurs because they couldn't get jobs because of the government's policy. And so mm -hmm. they wound up creating a lot of wealth. And the government looks back and says, well, why all the wealthy people, these white guys? And it's because, well, you, they couldn't get jobs, so necessity facilitated them going to companies. And so people are finally realizing right now that real wealth isn't created by having jobs in corporates. It's created by starting companies. And that's, that's why I think uh, yeah, you want to create wealth in that sector and you want to make sure the wealth is diversified. You look for people who, who are definitely highly skilled and capable and uh, but not traditionally who the VC is backed, um, et cetera, and you get in a chance. What is your most successful uh, portfolio company in the African market? Um, definitely Chief Soft, um, so far in terms of, you know, return on investment as well as um, uh, traction. Uh, but I think Augmentos could beat them over time. Um, just, and what, what do these companies do? Give us a little bit of um, so color on, on the, the company. Chief South is the um, Uber for Maids service uh, I just mentioned. Um, okay. And then Augmentors is a deal that I did on Shark Tank South Africa, which is basically augmented reality gaming. And mm -hmm. the, the, what I can see, the, the, it's not, it hasn't gone live yet, but the, the technology is unbelievable. And it's, it's, really, it's a really beautiful game. And so I think mm -hmm. that there'd be many, uh, you know, gaming is such a big sector that you know, it's, uh, it would be exciting to see how they can take off. And how do you um, read the exit opportunities in the South African market? Of course, your companies are still quite young. There's probably another three, four, five years before they exit. But how, what is your, um, you know, analysis of how the exit market is going to shape up? Well, that, that's the beauty part about token economy. So if you look at the token for um, Augmentals, it's already trading at about 50 cents on exchanges. So you, know, you can get out, you can sell your tokens, you, know, you can hold it longer. It's, it's, it's interesting because you don't have the liquidity crisis anymore. I mean, you, you don't have to hold your investment for seven years. You can just so trade that's only for the token-based businesses, though. What about the what about the Uber for maids, for instance? Yeah. So that as you get subsequent rounds of funding from other people you're able to um, exit some shares. Normally a, a bigger VC will come in and buy some shares off you um, and that can be negotiated. And uh, in the case of, of, of Street South, I think the demand for the shares is so high that we could exit any point we wanted because there are other investors who want to come in. So I think it's more important to understand how you're moving through the various stages of uh, the company's yeah. life cycle. So if you're a seed stage investor, can you exit to Series A? If you're Series A, can you exit to Series B? And if the company is doing well and it's about attraction, the answer generally is yes. So the the assumption is that the early stage investors are are exiting in the subsequent stages, and you have investors come investors in each of those stages. And so there are bigger venture funds playing in the market who can do Series B, Series C, and take out the earlier stages. Yes, but it has to be high quality companies. So mm -hmm. where they obviously have a lot of conviction for the company. 
it was a, a party round where there's a whole bunch of guys coming in and, you know, everyone's just sort of putting money in. They're not sure it's kind of a, um, a flyer bet. You can have a bit of a harder time exiting. But if it's one mm-hmm. big fund saying we're going to come in and take a bigger position, you could probably sell 5% or whatever it is uh, and exit and give them a bigger stake. And so that's kind of how it works. What about strategics? What role do you see uh, NASPERS playing, for instance? NASPERS has played a big role in exits in India. Um, what, what, what is their position in Africa? You know, NASPERS is a really good uh, investment house. I mean, they're really good at investing in companies. They, you know, if you look at South Africa, they've been terrible operating them. Um, and so as an, as an investment um, house, I think they, they, they're good, but they, they're really good at later stage, not early stage. Sure. Um, they're I, good I at exits, so, right? Sorry? They're very good for exits. Yeah, yeah. So they're good for exits in that sense. <clears throat> and so later stage, large companies, which have got infrastructure and whatever, that's fine. Uh, they're good there. In early stage, um, founder-driven, founder-led businesses, I wouldn't say they're the best, and I think most early stage founders, uh, you know, you exit in Nasdaq. It's probably not the best exit you could have gotten, um, just because they they don't do very well at managing um, you know, early stage companies first exit. I see. Okay. Um, now the next question, uh, next few questions actually are not specific to South Africa. I'm going to ask you these questions more in the context of your global activities, Silicon Valley activities, and so forth. So these are trend questions. The first one is, how do you process the current investment climate where capital is moving further and further upstream? You know, the traditional VCs are raising bigger and bigger funds. And how does a seed investor or an entrepreneur, for that matter, mitigate the Series A gap? Honestly, it's been has been doing an ICO token sale. I mean, the Series A gap has been crushing for many companies that have got early stage traction, big visions, great teams, and can't raise capital. I mean, we we went out to raise capital a year ago uh, with Civic. Now this is on the back of. I mean, I sold my last company for north of fifty million dollars with only five million dollars raised. I came off with a pretty decent sized exit in two years, and mm-hmm. I raised a seed round, and I couldn't raise a Series A. I, I mean, I had I got a term sheet eventually, but we didn't like the didn't like the vision the investors had for the company or whatever else. So we turned it down and we went to do a, a token sale. Um, but I spoke to like 50 investors, and you know, what investors tell you on stage when they go up and talk is that, oh, it's all about the team. The team's, you know, this is what we don't really, you know, the business changes over time, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes down to reality and they're sitting in the room, they look at the business at that point in time. And so a year ago, yeah. trying to convince, trying to convince VC that blockchain is going to be big, that Bitcoin is important, that this is, you know, the way of the future, that you can do uh, verified um, blockchain-based identities. Uh, mm-hmm. and it would be important for the world was like literally the, the most difficult thing I've ever done because you, it, it's it's so hard to convince them of something that mm-hmm. hasn't happened yet. And this mm-hmm. year I've had more VCs knock on my door than ever before, but it's too late now because we already went and raised our money through via token sale. But the funny thing mm-hmm. is when I'm going to the sales, Vinny, you're great. We love you. You've got a great background. You're a strong entrepreneur, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't get our head around this blockchain identity stuff. But it's exactly mm-hmm. the opposite of, of the, the drill that they, they put out when they're up on stage saying it's all about the team. It's like we, we had, there were no questions in the team. There were only questions in the business. So it's yeah. one or the other. And I, th- I think this, the Series A crunch has been because VCs just don't have the, um, 
the, the conviction these days. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of VCs are just a bunch of kids from, you know, the MBA at Harvard and now working in a VC fund and never built a business before. And, that, and that's the problem. Well, uh, you know, the market is full of early-stage VCs, so-called early-stage VCs. There are pre-seed funds, seed funds, post-seed funds, pre-series A funds. And, you know, almost everybody who has had an associate or a principal job at a larger venture fund and didn't make partner has started a small VC fund. Exactly. So, so you've, got, you've got the blind leading the blind. <laughs> <laughs> So the other question, trend question is, how do you parse unicorn mania? By the way, all these 500-some little funds are looking for unicorns. Almost all of them are looking for unicorns. Unicorns, by definition, are, are rare, but everybody is looking for unicorns. So my question actually is, as a seed investor, if you, if you also chase unicorns, you could get buried under later-stage liquidation preferences. How do you protect yourself? One way to protect yourself, of course, is what you said earlier is just, you know, do the early stage and exit in, into the later stages. That, that will take care of that. Uh, is that. Is that your primary strategy? I, I, look, as an investor, I think I, I, I try to take a long-term view on things. And so I, I you know, taking unicorns, I mean, I, I've got one unicorn in my portfolio right now. I've made about 70 or 80 investors, investments. And even then, mm -hmm. the unicorns aren't liquid. So I'm probably going to wait about two or three years to get liquidity out of there. The guys are sitting on a couple hundred million dollars in cash. They don't need to sell any shares. Um, you know, it's just admin to try and do a transaction. So I think it, it, my strategy is just to make good investments behind good teams and just, you know, be patient. I think patience is uh, if the opportunity comes to exit and I can sell some shares, sure, uh, I'll consider it. But I, as an investor, you're writing the company, and you basically have to put, you know, when I write a check for investment, I kind of kiss the money goodbye. I'm like, you know, I don't expect to see it anytime soon. Because if you put the pressure on yourself to see it soon, you, it's just, you, you, you're, not, you're not ready for doing that sort of investing. You should probably stick to So is Newtown Partners your own money, or is it, uh, does it have limited partners? It's just myself and my co-founder, um, Luke Clarkson. Okay. So, so you, you're not answerable to... Uh, to limited nope. partners, you can do pretty much what you want. Absolutely. <laughs> now that's very helpful. <laughs> okay. So my last question, trend question again, is, uh, um, you know, we are in 2017. Lots of stuff that have already been built, and, and there are so many ideas out there, especially now you're looking at B2C ideas that seem like a feature of Facebook or a feature of, you know, Google or something. Um, these are basically niche things, niche opportunities, and in some cases, these businesses probably have to be built in, with the idea that it'll, you know, you put in a maximum of a couple of million or maybe even less, and then the company gets sold for, you know, 5, 10, 15 million, uh, depending on to one of these larger companies that can actually take it to market. What is your... Um, you know, how do you view these types of opportunities? In, in, in look, I think it's important to remember that this whole you know, if you make if you make um, startups a a career for yourself and it's a long term uh, it's, it's long term learning 
mm-hmm. I think you just take it you take it in your stride. I think it's part of the things where you have to just let the you know, see see where the dice rolls, you know, and um it's it's you have to just learn from learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you and failures become um learning opportunities and I think some people get just too attached to the to the outcome, you know, versus like what's the process, what's the journey, and how you can apply it the next time. Are you willing to invest in these kinds of companies that that you 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 probably know just because you have seen plenty of companies and you have been around? You're not this young MBA who has no experience of actually doing startups. You you, you can tell that this is probably not going to be a unicorn. It's going to be a small thing. Would you invest in something like that? Probably not, for me personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not that I'm chasing unicorns; is that I'm chasing businesses that have high failure rates. Okay, and so I I, I go after things that I I'm, I'm pretty certain is probably a bad idea, <laughs> but if it comes off, it's going to be a big one. And and so when I go after something which is probably a good idea, but if it pulls off, it's not going to be worth much. It doesn't balance mm-hmm. the the risk reward that I'm looking. That doesn't for. interest you. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. This is a very interesting conversation, Vinny. Thank you for coming, and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks, Joanna. All this. Cheers. Bye-bye.